0: Hey guys, welcome back to Sex in the Office.
1: Sex, sex, sex. sex. We don't have an intro yet, so still figuring. No, we're probably gonna have an intro by
0: the time we have this. This is the
1: intro. And cut!
0: Okay, great. Never using that for an intro. Except for this episode. (laughs) Except for
1: this one. What's on the agenda for today? I mean... <laughs> looks over I, at my list. <laughs> uh, we have a few things. organized notes. Yeah. Well, you have notes too. and But I think there's a few particularly interesting things on our list that are worth talking about. And so why don't we jump right into visualization? Because it's something we've been talking about recently. It's something we both find interesting. And it's something we both use... And I think what's interesting about visualization, beyond the fact that it just works, is the different ways people perceive it. Which is, like, on one end of the spectrum, I think you have, like, maybe, manifestation. like, manifest- <laughs> <laughs> manifestation, which is, seems to be, I don't know, like, seems to be the idea that you can. You know, visualize something, and that it will just sort of happen, kind of like the secret. The secret, yeah. That whole no, it's fine. The secret,
0: and
1: yeah. And but when I something that dawned on me recently after after thinking through what you know people mean when they say visualization, and it, and when it really clicked for me was in watching the Arnold documentary, which we talked about in the last episode. Was that people who use visualization in a way that's helpful for them seem to use it to empower them to put in work Hmm. as opposed to using it as a reason to work less because they think things are going to happen for them.
0: Yeah. Just by thinking.
1: Yeah. It's like you think of visualization or you visualize what your end goal is and therefore you work harder towards it because you can see what it is. You can feel what you're working towards. You're
0: actually getting excited. You're getting clarity. Totally. Um, You see yourself taking action. Therefore, you you have more confidence that you can take the action. So you do. You don't double think it. You just do it because it's constantly in your head. It's just visualization makes it easier to work harder, but you have to do the work. It's not just making it easier to happen; it's making it easier for you to do the work.
1: Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, the work is hard regardless. I just think it like like I, where I use this the most consistently is in the gym. In the gym, I am I am often visualizing what the end state of what I want is, which is how I feel, how I, frankly, how I look, how strong I am lifting a certain amount of, of weight, being a run, being able to run a mile at a certain pace. Like I think about those things and I imagine myself being able to do them and I imagine myself pushing through and, and being sweaty and being really in it and, you know, in, in, Currently, I'm visualizing myself on the podium in this upcoming Spartan race that I have in November. But visualizing myself on the podium in the Spartan race is pushing me to work harder towards it. I think that's where it seems like a lot of people get visualization confused. Is 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 in what we're we're talking about? So. Yeah, and I think if you study people who, like, really successful people, first of all, it's amazing they how many visualize. people they all visualize. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing how consistently visualization is used by some of the most successful people that you know. All of us have have heard of, and I know it's something that you use in your work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is really that's really at the at the core of what you do and it's kind of funny because you visualization comes it's such a weighted term it like comes with all sorts of connotations from different people and feels very woo woo and rah rah and so you can't really say that visualization like you don't really pitch visualization as part of what you do right like what you do is very you you pitch it as like you know it's it's very like it has to feel more tangible than visualization because a lot of guys when they hear visualization they think of the things that you know you sort of think you think of manifestation but yeah, i
0: mean i hardly say the word yeah you like, right I, and I, you
1: can't because yeah. like a guy is gonna hear that and be like oh god okay I'm... but like yeah. ultimately where you start with every guy is visualization it's like okay all you're thinking about right now is the way you you are afraid of things ending up and how you don't want sex challenge and
0: how you're feeling when you go into sex and what it looks like and your anxiety levels. And when I ask a guy like, okay, well, can you paint me a visual? This is always on my intro call. Paint me a visual of where you want to see yourself and how you want to feel after Mm -hmm. three months after working together. Like, what does that look like? And they're like, I never thought of that. And I'm like, yeah, well that's, pretty important <laughs> a piece of the to puzzle start. and you got to know where you're going in order to get there like you, you have to at least know what it looks like and have some idea so it that's how I explain it without using the word visualization to scare anybody off because it really is about you know starting to put in your mind and in your body the feeling of confidence like the the look of Of confidence like when you're having sex confidently and you're having fun and you're actually feeling connected and you're present with your partner what does that look like because chances are it looks a lot different than where you are right now struggling with anxiety and feeling disconnected and lacking confidence and feeling shy and insecure right it's like there's a different look and there's a different feeling so we have to find that separation and you know help them know where they're going and that's all visualization.
1: Yeah, and I I think the idea of separation is a really good segue into the other thing that I find is really useful for me to remind myself of, because I'll go through periods where I kind of forget this, which is there's a difference between our thoughts and who we are. Like, we are not our thoughts. We are the self-awareness around our thoughts. Or at least you need to be the self-awareness around your thoughts, otherwise, you are going to be at the mercy of what is essentially a, as Tim Ferriss would put it, a neurotic roommate who is taking up space in your head and taking you on this insane, worrisome, high cortisol, like anxious, nervous wreck. And The separation of of those random thoughts that pop into Your head versus who you are and who you want to be is super important because I know During the times in my life where i've i've had the Where i've been struggling the most is when i've forgotten to separate my thoughts from Who i am meaning the self-awareness around my thoughts
0: Can you give an example? Like, was a thought you had that you just automatically identified with and fucked you up?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, at my lowest low in my life, I, you know, I I mean, I tried to commit suicide. Like, I, I drank a bunch of alcohol and I took a bunch of pills and sat in my car. And, you know, looking back, it was... I feel like it was a, it was not like a hundred percent attempt to really end my life, but I mean it was. I was obviously in a really terrible place, and I got fifty one fifty, where they where they put you in a psych ward, for a few days just to make sure that you're not actually going to continue to try to hurt yourself, and everything leading up to that point was because I was unable to separate, my thoughts from who I was. You know, I I had this insane Guilt complex where if I had a thought that I didn't feel good about if I had a thought that felt crazy First of all because I was unable to separate my thoughts from myself Sometimes I would act on those act on those thoughts So if I was angry, I would act out in anger if I was sad I would I would I would show that and I would do it in ways that are unhealthy it's one thing to feel emotions it's another thing to express them, and it's even another thing to, to act on them, which leads to a very volatile type of behavior. And so there was a lot of different thoughts that I would identify with and, and not realize that because, because I didn't realize that wasn't my thoughts, I thought I was this, like, bad, terrible person. And to some degree, frankly, I was because there was no separation and my behavior at the time it was so erratic and selfish and really just not okay to myself and to the people around me. And eventually, once I hit this rock bottom and I realized that I need to be able to separate myself from my thoughts and not judge myself for some of the random, weird, crazy shit that goes through my head, you know, I was able to kind of pull myself out of this very depressed sort of place. And... It wasn't until I had the ability to realize that, you know, I, I am not, I am not my own thoughts that I could, you know, kind of be just okay. And, and, and Did that come and, with
0: you. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, and just start, start the journey of like trying to learn how to like love myself. Cause up to that point I had no self-love at all.
0: Is that when you started feeling like a sense of control, like when you separated, like what did that actually, like what did that realization steer you towards specifically?
1: I I never thought of it as a sense of self-control, maybe, but it was just the idea that I was not the neurotic roommate in my head. Who was, who was, you know, pulling me left and right and up and down in all sorts of ways that didn't feel good. It it freed up my mind to just gonna be okay with with who I was and. Start to pull away from the idea that I needed to feel bad and guilty about every thought that went through my head It's funny because I didn't grow up in a religious household But I imagine it's similar to what it would be like to grow up in a religious household and to be told that You know your thoughts are sinful and all these things that you know Like if you think this then then you need to repent It's like I never I mean I never at that time I would have said there's definitely, you know, not a God and there's definitely not a higher power and all these things. I would have, if you had asked me, I would have immediately said out loud that I was atheist, but somehow this idea got in my head that I, I was my thoughts and I needed to feel guilty about all things. And not only that, but I needed to be punished for all of the thoughts that I felt guilty about.
0: Hmm. So, and I'm sure that thought or that belief made you just think more worse thoughts, right? It made me
1: think more worse thoughts. It and it made me punish myself. I was I realized I, I had this cycle of every few months, I would I would I would punish like I would sabotage my own life. I would sabotage relationships, I would sabotage any momentum towards success that I had. Basically if it felt like life was starting to get good I would find a way to, to make it bad again.
0: Mm. So you got what you felt you deserved? <gasps> exactly.
1: Thinking. I got what I felt was, what I deserved and it never led to anything. It, it, it never ended. It was just a cycle because, you know, that I, I felt like I got what I deserved and then I'd be okay with it because I felt like, you know, I was punished enough for a little while and then, you know, but then it's just, it was this built up, building up of, of different actions and thoughts that led to me feeling like I needed to be punished again and yeah it was it was something I really had to you know work work out of
0: I want to go back to like you used anger like if you had anger thoughts you felt like you had to like immediately act on that what's like a healthy way what's an example of a healthy way to express anger versus a unhealthy way
1: I mean, first and foremost is, an unhealthy way to express anger is to act on it, which is often what so I was So any doing. action? Just, yeah, just acting on it. Acting on...
0: What you're angry about?
1: Yeah, whatever it was. If I felt angry, it could have been punching a wall. It could have been, often it was in the form of yelling. You know, sometimes it was, it came out in a way that I, some people would argue is healthy, like going for a run or weightlifting. Mm-hmm. I would take out a lot of stress there. But even even expressing anger in those forms means that I was using those things because I didn't know how to express them in, in what was truly a healthy way, I think, which is to deal with them by talking about them. Hmm. Because if I'm angry about something, it probably actually means that I'm hurt by something. Hmm. And if I'm hurt by something, it means that whoever is involved in that thing that i feel hurt about because it always has to do with someone else like life is life is relationship challenges and if i'm angry and it means i'm hurt it means that someone else is involved in that thing that i feel hurt by and so dealing with anger in a healthy way meant communicating with someone that i was hurt or that i was sad or that i didn't feel good about something Mm -hmm. and that was one layer i think on top of that you know where anger comes from is also important to to think about because sometimes the anger can come from feeling Mm -hmm. hurt over something that I probably just didn't deserve for me to feel hurt by. Like it was something that I took personally that was completely not personal. Like someone did something and I went into this, you know, chronic assuming way of thinking and decided that the action that they did had something to do with me and that it was on purpose. And really it had nothing to do with me. But because of these assumptions I was making, because of this, really this, this way of thinking, which was, you know, to some degree, like the world revolves around me. I wouldn't have thought of it that way at mm. that time, but that was sort of how you go through the world. I think when you're angry and depressed and, and you're just dealing with all this because yeah,
0: everything's happening to you, everything
1: is happening to you, then, you know, I would, I would get angry from that because I was hurt by something that I probably should have been hurt over taking life way too seriously so ultimately i think anger dealing with anger in a healthy way means first and foremost expressing out loud with a it from a perspective of curiosity and from a perspective of not having any expectations around what happens when i express those things that i'm upset about out loud is important and then second is making sure that when i express those things out loud pay attention to my feelings what's being said and where is that anger coming from and is that anger really like justified or am i angry about things that ultimately are like kind of silly (laughs) and that they're just not worth being Mm. upset over you know i and i would say You know this is all in hindsight so now i mean i just i rarely get angry (laughs) like i rarely get upset i mean you know this better than anyone like i i generally go through life laughing about things that you know some other people would get upset or flustered or angry about and that was just realizing that like how seriously i was taking life how selfish i was and And just how far anger gets you, which is not very far, I guess, depending on how you measure success. But I I didn't find anger. Anger was so destructive in my life. I ruined a lot of relationships. I made other people's lives very difficult. And so, you know, coming up on the other end, I can see that anger just really didn't didn't serve me, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something that I love most about you is your, your calmness and your ability to, you know, work through things and not get flustered over silly things that a lot of people would. And that has a lot to do with, you know, my dad and my upbringing of just being around a ton of anger in a masculine way. So I was like, I will not be with a guy who is angry and that was like very intentional with me picking out a partner. So I definitely see that in you, your you know, your ability to just go through life and have a lot of fun and be silly. But I do, yeah, I do see that, I think the only times you've shown a side of, and it wasn't even anger, I think it was just upset or confusion, but, and this could be a good segue into our relationship talks that we have on a monthly basis to check in with each other, But, like, I see me wanting to talk things through much faster than you do. And that's maybe something that came from, you know, your past of, you know, wanting to hold it in a little bit for for longer. But I do, I personally believe that it's very important to talk things out with your partner as soon as that thing happens to get clarity so that you don't go in this tunnel or this cycle of overthinking and getting into this place where you're you're getting super emotional and sometimes you are really emotional in the beginning and you need some space but but yeah I think that addressing I think for everyone it's important to like say to your partner clearly like, hey, I, I love you, I need some time to think this through, I'm feeling a little angry, I'm feeling flustered, I'm feeling confused, but I wanna come back and talk to you and here's what I'm gonna do that. So that's that's just something I've noticed in you and notice in a lot of men working with men, which is, you know, they're, they're, I don't know if it's like an overwhelming feeling because I do find that women more easily talk through emotional frustrations or they're more comfortable with it maybe how we were raised but but yeah what are your thoughts on that
1: i think (laughs)
0: okay wait i'm just gonna tell them what just happened so i asked this serious question right and then andrew pauses it and goes i have to pee and runs away (laughs) Like, like really at this moment and then he tries to resume it, acting like he didn't just.
1: <laughs> I, for the fluidity of the podcast, it's gonna be so smooth. And but
0: it wasn't smooth in it reality. It was smooth.
1: That <laughs> was so smooth. I'm, I'm Mr. staring smooth, into his baby. eyes,
0: and then he goes, "I have to pee," and runs. <laughs> All right, but anyway, go ahead. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, I think that, generally speaking, men. Struggle with or maybe a better way to put it is turn to avoidance behavior when it comes to vulnerability right because men and i'll just speak for myself from now on i struggle sometimes and this is something i've gotten significantly better at but i still struggle sometimes being totally vulnerable meaning you know, letting anyone, including you into like my deepest, darkest, you know, sort of thoughts, which has to do with concerns and worries and frustrations. And, you know, that can, I mean, clearly like that leads to, you know, that, that adds up and that can lead to not discussing something head on when it really should be discussed head on and I think that's just a common trait of 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 guys I think probably because guys are not taught I don't know how much of it is biological but I certainly was not taught how to deal with emotions I think that's one of the reasons I struggled with what I was talking about you know earlier dealing with you know anger and I do I mean you know I'd say I'd do a pretty good job of it now and i i do yeah yeah. but but yeah i think just being vulnerable about things that i know for me what it is is being vulnerable about things that i feel guilty about Hmm. if i if i feel like i have thoughts that sometimes i'll have thoughts and i don't feel good about them when i don't feel good about them i feel guilt and sometimes that guilt turns into shame and that turns into me not wanting to share them with you because I'll think to myself, you know, you shouldn't have those thoughts. Like, why can't you have, you know, why can't you think something else? And sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's just sometimes it's just thoughts that I'm scared to share or I don't know how to share in a way that's going to be helpful and effective. And... For sure, where I go wrong is when I just don't share them. And when I bottle them up, and then when it eventually turns into, you know, not sharing them. And then, you know, maybe we have a a fight about something, which has been very, very, very rare. There's only really only been a few instances where it hasn't really, I don't think it's ever been much of a fight. So much as it's been like, we're not seeing eye to eye, and that turns into... You know just a higher level of of stress and and you wanting to deal with it and discuss it head on and me you know thinking in my head like oh i don't want to deal with this or like i just want some space when really that's just me being you know avoidant and still struggling with some of those kind of old habits that i'm obviously still working through
0: but like for the guys listening who can relate to that, do you, would you say that it's like a skill you can work on and improve over time so that, you know, cause being, cause you know, yeah. I know your, your progress in terms of being where you were at, being like completely shut down before we were together, you know, based on what you told me. You
1: um, know, based on <laughs> <laughs> you, me being your client. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> bring that up <laughs> but yeah so I've Got seen that <laughs> <laughs> right Load off my chest <laughs> I've seen that side of you you know from a professional viewpoint and I've seen how far you've come and now being with you you know so it definitely seems like you've gotten I mean yeah we're, we're addressing that now like you've made so much progress there so for for you guys listening or you girls listening you know it's totally something you can work on and if you feel like that's why like the one thing i'm not crazy about in terms of the attachment styles like oh i'm an avoidant right like you start identifying so much or you can yeah. you don't always Yeah yeah i
1: mean if if, if you're, you're uh, back, back, if back, back. you're identifying with it and you're saying i am this then you're fucked if yeah. if it is I have avoidant behavior
0: tendencies, and you yeah. are
1: separating yourself just as if you were to separate yourself from your thoughts. Then I think that is perfectly healthy,
0: yeah. Because... no, I do too. But it's all you hear are people saying, I'm an avoidant, I'm yeah, an anxious that's, attachment. That's
1: not that's not
0: good, and that's yeah, that's not helping you because it's kind of like it's kind of the same thing about your horoscope, you kind of start finding a sense of belonging in it. Where are we it?
1: going with this, babe? Where
0: no, we... no, 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 no. You find, like, a sense of belonging. It's like, oh, I'm this thing. I'm an IGT, whatever. Like, the personality tests, And it feels good to belong to a certain group. Mm. you like, so as humans, when we're like, oh, I'm an avoidant, I'm an avoidant too. You know, like, we find things that we're, sure. we identify with, and then we find other people, and then we find a sense of, like, fulfillment in it in a yeah. weird way, even if it's not good for us so that's why I think it's really important especially in the attachment styles for you to have the mindset of I have avoidant tendencies and I'm working on them I'm working to be more secure you know like how you speak to yourself and how you view these patterns in your in your attachment and in your relationships is super important because if you ever want to get out of that pattern you have to once again know where you're going you know I'm working on this to get to a secure place and if if you just sit in the well, I'm an avoidance, so that's why I do that. You know, you will never change. And if you do want to change behaviors, you know, like you have to disassociate. And just like you said, you're not your thoughts. You're also not your attachment pattern. You're just. It's good to look at it that way. Go. And you just burped, and you tried to. we're gonna cut this out. No, you can't cut, cut things out. Yeah, we can
1: cut things out. We can, we
0: but can. Oh, my God. no one wants to hear me burp. God. <laughs>
1: in terms of overcoming avoidance behavior, I mean, the main thing is, so the the deepest, darkest fear of someone who is dealing with avoidant tendencies is the fear of being vulnerable and of being rejected. The fear Mm -hmm. of being not loved, a fear of people not liking you, a fear of being unlovable if people knew who you, quote unquote, really were. Mm. And for me, attachment theory, and specifically reading the book Attached, coupled with a book called The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, was incredibly enlightening because once this all clicked, Because when I read Attached, it was, I mean, I felt like I was reading a book about myself. Me too. It was, it was, it was, it was uncanny.
0: It's an incredible book. It's, it's called Attached. Do you know who the...
1: I I have no idea who the author is. I can't remember.
0: I'll bring it over.
1: So once it clicked and I realized, oh, the thing that I am avoiding, who's the author?
0: Amir Levine. Amir
1: Levine and Rachel Heller. Really I mean for me life-changing book Once I realized what my deepest fear was once it was all laid out in this book knowledge became power for me in this case because It became very apparent to me that in order to overcome my avoidant tendencies meant to tackle my deepest my, my deepest fears head-on my deepest fears were the things that I was avoiding. So what was I avoiding? Well, 10 out of 10 things that I was avoiding were conversations with people. I was afraid, I, you know, at different points in my life, I've, 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 you know, dealt with people and had relationships and acted out in ways that I didn't feel good about. And when that was the case, Instead of dealing with those issues that I had with with people instead of You know saying out loud the thing that I did wrong and apologizing for it. I would avoid it and All those different conversations, you know added up and in some cases kind of ruined different relationships so what I did was I made a list of all the things that I Had been avoiding and really what it was I made a list of all the people I had to have a conversation with who who I had been avoiding. And some of these things went back almost ten years, some of these mm. the things I had to talk about with different people. And I I just knocked out every conversation within three weeks. Wow. I I texted or called every person and found a time that worked for both of us where they would be available. And I With no expectations going into these conversations other than I am going to say out loud the thing that I Have been avoiding that I you know, either feel bad about or feel upset about or angry about or feel hurt about and and I'm just gonna go through all of them because that Is what feels like the weight of the world on my shoulders Mm -hmm. and What I found was after every conversation what i was met with was love and empathy and compassion and oftentimes the other person who i had the conversation with would express their own shortcomings and you know things that they were dealing with and you know, frankly, it got easier. Every conversation got easier than the last. Hmm. Because after I had the first conversation yeah. and I, well, it, I think it had less to do with practice and more to do with the fact that after the first conversation that I had and I was met with love and compassion, it was like, oh, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then I had the second conversation and it was the same thing. Hmm. It was love and compassion and like a big, you know, hug. It's like, oh, that wasn't it was like my it was like my deepest darkest fear of being rejected, being unloved, being unlovable was just totally obliterated. And it didn't mean I carried some sense of hope into the next conversation that like, oh, this is going to go great. Every conversation was still hard to approach because I still there was still guilt and all these emotions built up. But it just got a little bit easier every conversation. And so through that very direct approach of of removing all of the things that I had been avoiding up to that point in my life. First first of all, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. I mean, it was really incredible how freeing that was. It was the lightest I've ever felt in life. I mean, it was, it was completely life changing. And I I moved through the world very differently since having those conversations. That's
0: interesting because I had one situation with a girl who I, I forget what the website was called, but it was basically like, you can send secret messages to people who had a certain website or something in like 2009. And I sent this girl who I was jealous of this message that was just so mean Like, and she knew it was, she found out it was me. And I was like, fuck, (laughs) she wasn't supposed to know. So she found out it was me and sent me a message back, like, thanks, Steph. Like, I really thought, like, you were better than this or nicer than this. Like, and it was, it crushed me. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was at the lowest low, like, this freshman year of college. I was a bitch. I was crazy. I didn't give a fuck about, like, anyone, myself included. And I was just like, oh, my God. But that, like, really hit so hard that for literally I think it was ten years I held it in and I always thought about it all the time. And I was like, fuck, like she that was so horrible. Why did I say that? I was like I was just jealous of her cause she was getting her shit together and she was like just kicking ass and what she started and she was so young and I was just like I, I wanted to be in her shoes and I wasn't. I was a mess. So I, I remember like ten literally ten years later, maybe more, just walking around with my roommate at night and like telling him how guilty I felt still. And he was like, why don't you reach out to her? And I was like, that's crazy. Like it's 10 years like blah, blah, blah. Like she's, you know, she's like, that'd be so awkward. I don't know if I could do it. And he's like, it sounds like you have to do it. And I was like, you're right. And that night I reached out to her and I was like, this is so random. And like, I, I just remember saying this to you and I'm so, so sorry. Like I was just so jealous of you. And I said those cruel things to to, you know, just, out of jealousy and and I'm I hope you can forgive me and I, I think it's amazing what you're doing. I'm really like proud to see what you're doing or whatever. Happy for you. And she was like, "Hey Steph, like, oh my god, I totally don't remember that at all. But no worries. Have a great day." And I was like, oh. <laughs> so she didn't even remember it happened, but like I remember the weight of the world. Like, that was, like, one of the best days of my life because I was like, oh, (laughs) like, I could breathe. Totally. And it was just this one thing. Like, it wasn't even all these things. Like, it was one thing I said that I just held so much guilt. And, like, and it was funny because I posted about this on Instagram, like, two years ago. And then I had, like, two people message me and they're like, I really took to heart what you said and I did the same thing and I feel so fucking good and, like... I was just like, man, like this is the little stuff that we think is little, but it's so monumental to like our overall peace and you know confidence in how we communicate with other people. So I was just trying to show that like it doesn't even have to, even if it's one thing, even if it's one conversation you have to have or something you need to share because you feel guilt or whatever, like get it out, share it. It's worth it.
1: Yeah, I have a similar experience where one of the conversations that I felt guilty about. When I told the person, they said the same thing. They were like, "I mean, dude, I appreciate it, but I honestly don't. <laughs> no, I don't even know talking. what you're talking about. Like, yeah, that doesn't sound very good, but like, I just it's not even registering right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we just take life too seriously, you know. And sometimes, sometimes we just need to get that stuff off our chests, you know, and and do it early. And I think most people can relate to this because. know we went to something called landmark forum which that's like one of the first things they make everyone do or try to have everyone do is have a conversation and they do this throughout landmark forum they're constantly asking you to have the conversations you have been avoiding Mm -hmm. and i i understand why they do it and because i at that point i had already kind of done that and i i didn't have any of those but it would it's just so freeing. It's mm-hmm. so unbelievably freeing. The amount of relaxation you're rewarded with afterwards is
0: And the is amount incredible. of like mental and emotional space you regain. Oh my regain. god. And it's like people wonder like so people wonder why their energy's so low, why they're tired all the time, and like this shit has a lot to do with that. You know, like when you're holding and suppressing feelings in and things you need to get off your your chest and share, like that slows you down in life. Like...
1: Well, in particular, something is, I think, guilt and shame. Mm. And this is this is where The Gifts of Imperfection by Brené Brown. I mean, the whole book is about shame. And that is particularly, I don't know what the word is, difficult, dreadful, heavy. And so the things that we feel guilty about, like what you and I are talking about specifically, is, is, is really tough. But anytime you're holding something in or suppressing something is you know, there's just, I mean, frankly, there's just no point, right? Mm. Like that's just, that's always us overcomplicating a matter, right? Yeah. That's always us, you know, that, that is, that is synonymous with, you know, the, the person who would rather take a pill to deal with, you know, being overweight, for example, as opposed to, working out and eating healthy, you know, or taking a pill. I mean, you know, I I think that is, I'm just thinking out loud at this point, but I I wonder what percentage of people taking, like, antidepressants are people who just simply don't want to deal with Mm. the shit in their life and have these conversations. And, like, I would rather take a pill that numbs me then have these incredibly what feels like will be incredibly difficult conversations like i just i will do Mm. anything to avoid having these conversations and dealing with the thing that feels like just dreadful and like a mess i'll bet that percentage of people is pretty high
0: yeah i agree
1: because because what that is 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 just like a lot of forms of avoidance like it's you're just avoiding right it's just another way whether it's taking a prescription or it's having some sort of outlet that makes you feel something other than what it feels like to sit alone with your thoughts Mm
0: -hmm.
1: is is you avoiding something that you're uncomfortable with
0: and I think also like going back to the fact that you don't have to have expectations like when you're sharing with someone
1: super important
0: like they like you just have to share you are sharing to share that's why you're doing it you're not doing it to become best friends again with the person. Yeah. You're not doing it to make them feel a specific way. Or to get a response um, from or them. to get, yeah, a certain response that you feel you need to hear. Like, no, you're just, you're sharing. You're sharing to share. And I, I remember, like, making amends or trying to, like, getting something off my chest with another girl who used to be a best friend of mine. And, and, and I, I shared with her and she just hit me back with a ton of resentment towards me. And I just like, I let it go because I'm like, I'm not here to argue and like start something up again. I was just here to share my truth. I didn't say that to her, but I, I basically just, you know, kept a boundary around that conversation going out of hand. So I think it's just important to know like, you know, you're, you're sharing to share.
1: Yeah.
0: But, but I think that also tying this back to relationship check-ins, which is something Andrew and I do on a, about a monthly basis. We have check-ins where we go through certain prompts to help us reflect on the last month in our relationship, how we're feeling about each other and the current state of our relationship and our life, our lifestyles as individuals being together. And I think this is, it's also important to have, I think what's what's so powerful about relationship check-ins is that you're creating this space of, Of of honesty and sharing, and allowing your partner to share what needs to be shared without judgment and without, you know, just really trying to hear them. And I see through my work, I see so many men because I work with only men. So I see so many men not wanting to share. Once again, like what Andrea was saying, not wanting to be vulnerable or fear of vulnerability because, you know, what if they're rejected? after they share and she she rejects them and what they say. So, but if you don't, if you aren't vulnerable and you're not sharing, then you're not able to be your full self. And then she's not seeing the real you and she can't fully connect to you if you're not the real you and if you're hiding in shame. So I really encourage anyone listening to this to have check-ins with your partner where you do have that time specifically dedicated to sharing with each other without judgment and without expectation, but sharing to try to understand each other, hear each other's perspectives out and make sure that you're a strong team moving forward.
1: Yeah. Let's I, why are you smiling? We're taking votes. This is a vote. I'm voting. We go into more detail about this on the next episode because I feel like we Mm. could talk about, we could talk about the check-in for like half an hour and we're, we're going to have a check-in on Sunday. So we can express from, you know, that perspective of what we talk about, what the experience is like, and also we can share, we have a specific format for the check-in, so we can share the details of that so that people have a better understanding of, like, how do you even go, what does a check-in mean, how do you go through it, what questions do you ask, and, mm-hmm. you know, think about set and setting and context and all those things.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's good for the next one. Deal? Mm-hmm boom deal vote you have my vote fist bump mm. boom
1: i mean fist bump not pump <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for listening everybody
0: thanks guys i'll see you in the next episode and we will talk about relationship check-ins and what that can look like for you
1: and other things that are surprising and mysterious yeah
0: oh we didn't share a funny thing yeah,
1: we Remember also didn't talk about aunt? our life and business.
0: oh my god yeah this is so
1: one. i know well you know we're living pretty interesting lives so lots to share you better keep listening
0: (laughs) okay bye